Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. So today we are in Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26. So please turn there. We um, are now transitioning from the patriarch Abraham following his life and so on to looking at the life of his son, Isaac. Um, so if you were here last week or you've read chapter 25, then you know that it begins with a, a record of Abraham's death uh, in the opening verses. Um, then we saw, or you guys saw, that Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, um, we we saw that Isaac and Rebecca, they got married in chapter 24. Um, notice what it says in one of the verses there. Uh I'll just tell you. You can look it up yourself. Isaac and Rebecca, they were 40. Look at verse 20. 40 years old when Isaac was, when he married Rebecca. And then if you look down at verse 26, um, it says that these kids were born when Isaac was 60 years old. So 20 years had gone by and they had been unable to conceive. And, and when they did, um, that's where Esau and Jacob are born. Okay, so that's sort of our context of things. Uh, and now we move, oh, and then there's also the whole Esau selling his birthright, which will come back and become an important issue. Um, that's, that's also in that chapter. But now let's take a look at chapter 26. I'm going to read the opening five or six verses. It says, Now there was a famine in the land, besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give to your offspring all of these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Okie doke. So once again, we have a famine uh, in this area of the world, and this time it's affecting uh, our key person we're watching, and that's Isaac. And so notice there it says that he went that goes down to a place called Gerar, uh, which means who did their math? Anybody know? Yeah, or uh, linguistics, perhaps is a better place. It means lodging place. That's what it means. That's kind of interesting, right? Interesting, I think, even more so. It's right on the border, or close, if you will, to the border of Egypt and southern Israel at that time. Uh, and so you see the command there, don't go down to Egypt. Um, and so he stops kind of as close as he can get. He gets right there on the border of Israel um, and Egypt. Uh, and then he comes into contact with a man by the name of Abimelech. Did you know if you're speaking into your computer and it's dictating your words, it won't dictate Abimelech? No. I, I've learned that. It doesn't, it doesn't recognize the word. Um, so you've got to type that in yourself. Um, familiar name? Yeah. Where? Like cousins of yours? or? Okay, in the Bible. Familiar in the Bible. Abimelech is a family name. Um, so it could be the same guy. Uh, that we're talking about, or it could be like his son, you know, another Abimelech uh, down the line. But Abraham interacted with a guy by the name of Abimelech as well. Um, so if the name sounds familiar, that's why it was a few chapters earlier that that occurred. 
But notice uh, it says in verse 2, And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Don't go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Um, this is, as far as is recorded, the first time that the Lord appeared to Isaac. Now, he may have appeared to him other times, um, and perhaps he appeared to him in connection with the sacrifice and so on, um, but it doesn't say that he did. Um, here, it says that he did. So, first time that that is occurring. Uh, and he tells him not to go to Egypt. What's wrong with Egypt? So, speaking of that sacrifice, we're not even sure if Isaac heard the voice that told Abraham not to. Don't kill the boy. That's right. Right, okay. Now, the, the reason why I said perhaps he did is because some people say that when Abraham was um, sort of given the plan the night before kind of thing, that Isaac was in on that and that he willingly carried his cross, so to speak. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't say. Um, but what's wrong with Egypt? That's what I want to know. What? What's wrong with Egypt? Mm -hmm. It's not the time yet to go to Egypt. Okay. When is the time to go well, to Egypt? Well, it comes up later, right? I don't know. Remind me. Well, <laughs> the whole 400 years. But there's another thing. Okay, yeah, 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 sure. I didn't know if you meant Isaac. Um, okay, so it's not the time to go to Egypt? Egypt oftentimes in the scripture, particularly after Moses and so on, um, is seen as sort of the flesh and the worldly life and going back. You know, remember when, the, uh, when the, the Jews came out of slavery, it was like, we liked it better back then. It was, it was you know, at least we had this and that and all that stuff. Um, and so uh, perhaps there's a connection there, type of flesh returning to old worldly life or whatever it may be. Um, but he tells them not to go there. Um, I think it's interesting that you have a famine and then I'm going to go back to my worldly life, you know, because we do have famines in our spiritual walk, don't we, from time to time? Maybe we'll call it dry spells. Famine's a strong word, um, but we'll, we have dry spells. And I've seen a lot of work with a lot of younger people that, you know, they're fired up for God, love the Lord, things are great, there's the goosebumps and the tingles and all of that. And then two years, three years, four years, maybe it kind of, the tingles start to fade, and there's this searching for another experience. Another experience, another experience. I want to feel the tingles again. Uh, and others, they say, well, you know, I kind of tried the Lord. Didn't really last. And so they go back to their worldly life or whatever. I think both of those are kind of dangerous, to be quite frank. Um, and there's just sort of the steady knowledge of the Lord. And it's not always tingles, at least not my experience. You know? But he's there. I know he's there. I enjoy his presence. And so on. So anyway, don't go back to the world if you're feeling dry. Um, now notice the verse 2. He says, the Lord says to him, Don't go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Okay? Now that word dwell, notice, note it, if you will. It means to abide. It means to settle in and reside. Okay? Dwell in the land of which I tell you. That's where you're going to live. That's where I want you to live. Um, but notice it's of which I tell you which means it's a future place. Now, the very next thing, look at verse 3. It says, and sojourn in this land. So I don't think this is where the Lord wants him to dwell. This is where he's sojourning. That word means temporarily dwell, or for a period of time, just for a spell of time. All right? Um, tuck that away. Let's read verse 3. Sojourn in this land, and I'll be with you, and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all of these lands, 
and will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I'll multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give you and your offspring all of these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. That little, those words? At least six or seven mm-hmm. times previously. Yeah. Yeah. That many? Well, oh, okay. To Abraham. Yeah. Not to Isaac? Has he heard it? Abraham. Probably so, yeah. Okay, but now the the last time the covenant was made with Abraham was Genesis seventeen seven. Now, you know, it's Abraham, you and your offspring. Well Abraham had ten kids, I believe it was. Um obviously he had Isaac and Ishmael and then through Katori he had seven or eight kids. So I guess that'd be eleven. Um eight. I have it written down, eight children. And so He's got all these kids, but now it's being narrowed down, and it's going to be specifically, already we know about it was him and Sarah, but now it it specifically said to Isaac, I'm going to be with you, and I'll bless you, and so on and so forth. All right, so that's significant. Eventually to go to Jacob, and from there, and so on and so forth. All right, verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Abraham obeyed my commandments. Do you have any comment on that? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Eventually. I wrote a similar thing. I put not always. All right, what do we know about Abraham, Baron? Um, he hesitated. Um, obviously, you know, again, our perception getting in the way. Um, you, know, just, you know, with how Ishmael came about. It was, you know. What do you mean when you say perception getting in the way? Well, he was promised this, and he's like, well, I don't have any kids, and then they're waiting and waiting, so all right, I'm taking it in my own hands. And, okay. And then that didn't work out so well. Nah, okay. And then when God did deliver his promise, they probably could look back and be like, oh, we should have just done, Waited. done the Lord's way, and things would have been a little better off. So that's a big one. Kind of. Any other uh, times where he didn't quite obey? He told Pharaoh that his wife was his sister. Mm-hmm. And then he told Abimelech that his wife was his sister. Yeah, maybe uh, an older one. All right, so uh, those examples. So there are times where Abraham wasn't uh, totally obedient, and yet, notice, this reminds me of Genesis, um, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11. You know, you read Hebrews, and that's the hall of faith. You got these great people in there, all of them perfect, good Christians, never did anything wrong. <laughs> According to Hebrews 11, none of them ever did anything wrong, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you go back and you read the other stories and you see they, you know, they were like us. And they made mistakes and they didn't always trust and they stepped out of God's will and they're like, oh man, what am I doing? And they got back in his will and so on. I think the point of Hebrews chapter 11 is that's what, how the Lord looks on them because they're righteous because of their faith. And, you know, all of those past things, they're, they're put aside. And so similarly here, I think that's what's happening with our friend Abraham, is the Lord is looking upon his faith as righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so he says, as Abraham, your father, obeyed. Isn't that cool? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Okay, good. So I, I, I do think, like, I, I didn't know you were going to go that way with the, the question. Um, what I was thinking about when you drew my attention to it was the fact that there seemed to be a lot. There seems to be a lot in that statement, you know, the commandments and statutes and laws, um, of which we know nothing about, mm-hmm. right? Yet, and certainly Moses is probably going to 
as he writes through Leviticus and Deuteronomy and those things, you know, he's going to map some of them out for us. But sure. at this point in time, it's probably just Abraham and his family that, that are aware of all these things. And those that know it. Yeah. That's a good point. I was saying the same thing, Jake. Because we don't really have commandments, statutes, and laws that, I mean, he was told to go and don't go. Right, sure. right. Those things, yeah. Right. But not like day to day. Right. What is acceptable Living. sacrifice? Right. What is a. Yeah, yeah. We were circumcised. True. Oh, well. He did. Yeah. That's one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Those are all plurals, I think. <laughs> yeah. Commandments, statutes, and laws. No, but it's a good point that the Lord revealed those things to him, but not we aren't we're made aware until later on. Okay. All right, so verse 6. So Isaac settled in Gerar. Now notice again, verse 2, he was told to dwell where God would told him or would tell him in the future and to sojourn in Gerar, which means temporarily, but the term that's used, settled, it means to dwell and inhabit. Like so, he didn't make a tent; he made a building, if you will. Um, so, and again, it's a border town. So you put all the pieces together. What that means, I don't know. But um, anyhow, when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, "She is my sister," for he feared to say, "She is my wife," thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. There's a good husband. <laughs> How can I protect myself? You know what I mean. And, uh, you're on your own, honey. Like father, like Huh? Makes me very grateful to be single. I, I, in that case, in this case, I'm pretty sure none of us here have ever done this. Any men here that are married? But anyway, he says she is my sister. Just the one time, right? She's my sister in Christ. Uh, there, you go. there you go. That's what I meant. Yeah. Now, does that sound familiar? That she is my sister. Yes. 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 Like well, like as we said here, Genesis 12 to Pharaoh, Genesis 20 to the other Abimelech or this Abimelech. Um, interesting. In Genesis 20, Abraham was in Gerar when he told Abimelech that Sarah was his sister. You know, same exact city, same exact guy, maybe, or at least family, same exact lie. Um, so. I want to bring up a conversation. There's a, you know, somebody even said, I heard you say, um, like father, like son, or something like that. So there's this idea that's floating around called generational curses. Have you heard it? Is it something, mm -hmm. I mean, you could, you guys all know English. You could put the words together. But the, the general idea is that, you know, the sins of our previous generations, parents, grandparents, and so on, sort of make their, their way into our lives um, and they manifest themselves in the present um, and stuff like that. What do you think about that? And I, I honestly think you can make a, have a conversation for both sides of the issue. So I'd like to do that. Please begin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask a question specifically here. We have no record that Abraham told Isaac, oh yeah, let me tell you something, son. <laughs> When you go in a foreign land, don't tell everybody that she's your sister. Or, hey, I got out of, you know, which way did he go? Or I got out of a hard spot by telling her she wasn't. I don't there. picture Abraham. I don't picture him doing that either. No, no. Oh, he's such an idiot. It's the talk. Yeah, <laughs> he had the talk with Isaac. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You All expect right. maybe that's it. I was such an idiot. Isaac, don't do this. Maybe that. <laughs> Is that what you meant? 
idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he shouldn't have done it. Okay, I got gotcha. you. All right, what about this idea then of generational curses that I brought up? I think there's an aspect of it that's true. Tell me what that aspect is. So certainly we, we learn a lot from our families about how to deal with things or how to respond to things. Um, you know, so I, you could say that there's some kind of passing along of those ways of doing life. Um, mm-hmm. There's genetics. Yeah. Okay, very good. But the bad side of it is okay. the whole idea that if 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 you if you have like demonic stuff going on in your great grandparents or your great great grandparents, that is going to affect you. Or like if somebody quote unquote put a curse on your family, that's going to affect you. Yeah. And even if you're a Christian, that's going to affect you. And there's whole ministries built on. You know, rebuking the sin that your that some generation before you did. You know, your grandparents played a Ouija board. Oh, you need to renounce that sin so that it, it can't come in. And to me, that seems like a that seems like the the kooky part of it that doesn't have a foundation in the scripture. Okay. Yes, sir. Well, I mean, for a believer, you're talking about a believer. Yeah, yeah, like a ministry that says, oh, right. even if you're a Christian, you're going to have. Yeah, a I mean, I think if down. if you're not indwelt with the Holy Spirit, I think any of that stuff can be, you know. But if you're speaking particular to a spirit, you know, someone who's indwelt with the Holy Spirit, I, I say no. And I use Ezekiel 18 as Good. kind of a... What's up? Uh, so you didn't verse, <laughs> uh, Yeah, you don't have to um, uh, 16-ish, 17. Ezekiel 18... I'll start at 16. <laughs> neither hath oppressed any, hath not withholden the pledge, neither hath spoiled by violence, but hath given his bread to the hungry, and hath covered, covered the naked with a garment, that hath taken off his hand from the poor, that hath not received usury nor increase, hath executed my judgments, hath walked in my statutes. He shall not die for the iniquity of his father, he shall surely live. As for his father, because he cruelly oppressed, spoiled his brother by violence, and did that which is not good among his people, lo, even he shall die in his iniquity. Yet see ye, why? Doth not the Son bear the iniquity of the Father? When the Son hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all my statutes, and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him, so on and so, so on. But there's and that other verse. Right? Said, there of those verse. who love me. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. Of or, those who, of those, it's an exodus, I forget where. Yeah, it's Exodus 20. 20. Of those who love me. But Go ahead, Miss. But there's part of it before that people quote. Yeah. Miss Judy, they, what do you got? They forget this. Uh, this has to do with idolatry. You shall not bow down. Right. Of those who hate me. So no, but is it those who hate me? The, the parents who hate him, and it's he's going to visit it on their children, or is it the children? That hate him? Whoever those is. I think it's of those who hate me. <laughs> okay. I get just it's clear. Oh, it's, okay. So, but you, I think you were asking the question, is it 
So he's looking at the he's looking at the he's looking at the parents, and he says, "They hate me. I'm going to visit my sins on the children." Or is he looking at the third and fourth generation, saying, "Well, they still hate me, so I'm going to visit them." Of those who hate me, right? right. <laughs> but the, that's right. that's the question, though. He's asking. So how is those who who is those the third and fourth generations of those who hate me? That's what it says, right? I understand that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. we're trying to. I, so yeah. what does that mean? Those. Yeah. So he's saying, of those who hate me, they're third or fourth generation down the line. I don't think the text says that. (laughs) The third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So if I hate him, my third and fourth generation... No, he's saying the opposite. opposite. I know that's what he's saying, but I think it could be read either way. Right, I think it can go either way. Go to Hebrew. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Oh, Greg's well, Greg's got okay. I don't have the answer to it. <laughs> verse 2 of chapter 18. So, Ezekiel 18, verse 2. What mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge? Do my kids have bad teeth because I ate bad sugar? Right. Well, that was are the you proverb. speaking metaphorically? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, they were too. Well, right. I mean, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, because I think what then he read is the whole explanation of that, mm-hmm. saying right. that proverb doesn't right. hold true right. in God's eyes. Right. Although the, the Exodus verse seems to indicate that. Of those the, who other, hate me. the other question. <laughs> Purple. Purple. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I fall back on this because certainly. There's some openness in my mind in the scripture of how that all works out. But I think when we come to the New Testament, for the for someone who's become a believer in Christ, and I, I think I'll put it in this way. We enjoy the year of the Lord's favor. And whatever mess my parents got into, it's not on me. Right. <laughs> That's the way I kind of right. look at it. You know, when uh, Harry Presley was sharing at our men's breakfast, we had that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just a little while ago. Uh, you know, he, he shared about how he was in juvie when he was 16. You know, I forget what he said he did. It, was, it seemed significant. Um, if you put juvie. Uh, and mm-hmm. I know Harry's daughter, you know, her husband, uh, son-in-law, mm-hmm. and her... Matter of fact, his granddaughter was sleeping over my house that night. So she was at my house while he was speaking. And she's the sweetest little girl. Um, the, this couple is the, his daughter and her husband. Just such a wonderful, great little family or whatever. So when Harry was sharing, he was sharing about kind of where he came from, what he got into when he was 16, how he ended up in jail, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I've worked with enough students at Ewing High um, that that pattern, you know what I mean? It's the same thing, pattern again. And you see the next kid, and he's got his girlfriend pregnant, and they're going through the same thing, and it's the same thing. And then, you know, as Harry was speaking, and I was thinking about his his uh, daughter and uh, granddaughter, I'm thinking, the Lord broke mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. curse, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just did a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and so I'm I'm totally with you on that regard. Yeah. Yes, sir. Joe Fosh uses a great. The Holy Spirit's not in a time sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know that yeah. once the once you're the Holy Spirit's living in you, that, it. I mean, can you be tinkered with? You know, you know, residual. Yeah, you can. 
you can be messed with, but you can't be under, you know, some <laughs> curse or whatever or some mm. being controlling you if you're if you're born again. I, I just I don't see that in scripture. I think there's, ten- there's tendencies that can be passed down generationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because everything, like you were saying, everything that is in me was in my father, which was in my grandfather, which was in mm-hmm. Noah. You know? <laughs> right. All those tendencies come down and trickle down mm-hmm. and break up. And, and mm-hmm. of course, now there's two families that came together to make me. So all the tendencies of both of those tend to fall down to me. So if my dad was a stumbling, falling down drunk all the time, I might have that tendency to go that way. But Christ is right. all in all and able to, yeah. like you said, break right. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'm going to put in my two cents and then I'm going to shut up because I have strong beliefs about this, which I'm not going to share here. But, um, <clears throat> you know, if you have Freemasonry in your family, in your family lineage, in your family history, there can be problems. It doesn't mean that you are going to hell doesn't mean that being saved, you know, you know, there are issues that will arise from things that your father, grandfather, you know, did. These are serious, serious sins, and they don't just go away because you get saved. That's my personal belief. Everything that I've studied about it, I, you know, I don't have a list of things to quote from it, but I've listened to a lot of teachings about, and I'm not talking about holy rollers on the floor, wackadoodles. I'm talking about scriptural, <clears throat> legitimate scriptural references. You need to be careful to not just think, we're saved, we're good to go. We can't be, you know, this alcoholism, Freemasonry, pedophilia, whatever is in our family history, if we think that has not, does not have a black cloud over us, we don't need to live under the black cloud. That's the key point. Right. Mm -hmm. However, to deny, to say, oh, that's just, you know, we need to be very, very careful because we can have constrictions on our life that the Lord doesn't necessarily want on them, but we have to release these things, and they have to be released. And there are biblical, there's biblical scripture about releasing curses. It's in the Bible. Uh, you know, I can make a list if somebody needs to see a list. But I'd like I'm to. I'm just saying, at, yeah. at this point, like, I'm not saying, you know, you know, I'm not talking about like Pentecostal rolling on the floor type of things, but I'm just saying we can't just assume I, I personally, I come from a lot of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. From what I've done, from what my parents have done, my his family history, I'm not going to assume I'm saved, I'm good to go, my life should be smooth sailing. If I have an issue going on in my life, I may want to check out, hmm, is it something that might have been, you know, I mean, we, I, I don't even want to go where I'd like to go, but there are demonic things that will hover and mess with you. And if you say, well, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. That's a denial, there's a denial. Does it mean that we get like afraid and we're in bondage, but we don't have to be in bondage by them. But I think what happens is if we deny that there is an existence of those, we do ourselves an injustice because Christ came to set us free of all of that. 
Yeah. So it doesn't mean we like, you know, oh, you know, we like, you know, wear hair shirts and all this other stuff. But just, you never heard that expression, wearing a hair shirt? <laughs> no. Like, well, it's Jay like, does. No. <laughs> no, it's like, you know, when you wear the shirt, it, it's like, it's like you suffer and like in ashes. Oh, ash I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. You know, but, um, yeah. but there needs to be an acknowledgement. You know, if you've had Freemasonry in your family, if you've had serious I got gotcha. like this, you know. Yeah. Well, I think my, that's my two cents. Okay, thank you. Out. Yeah, I think that it's it's certainly not a like, hey, I'm free now. But I think it's that could turn to a personal arrogance thing. Like, hey, I beat this. No, I didn't beat anything. The Holy Spirit. No, I don't think that's what I said. I'm not saying you said that. I'm just right. saying the it, 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 the other side of that could be like you were saying, like, oh, I'm saved. Everything's great. Where mm -hmm. no, it's not great. But the, the Lord's doing that work, not us individually. Right. Well, I would never... But I'm just saying there might be some people who think... Well, there's a lot of people who think a lot of wrong things. Right. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm, I'm so, just saying there are... You're moved on. Yeah. Different part of the conversation. Yes. Right. All right, good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, so I think the significant <coughs> thing is this then, that the this idea that we're cursed there's nothing we can do about it it's too bad you came from that family line is wrong right, right? and, and yeah. some people take it that far but i do think there's a lot of wisdom in this idea of so for instance you you said i don't know if your dad was i don't think he was but your dad was a drunk or whatever you know what then you should probably be extra careful right mm -hmm. with alcohol in your life because there's there's some proclivities in there and so that things do get passed down and we have to relearn some things mm -hmm. you know that um we took from our parents and so on so all right something like that with alcoholism yeah. that's can be genetic mm -hmm. so i'm not I, i'm i'm confused by the whole conversation okay. i mean i'm not for something that's genetic okay you you do you're right then somebody who may have that predisposition should avoid alcohol let me give you a different example um can I, can we in my family my dad no not my dad, he's a pretty good guy, but uh, <laughs> flies off the handle, goes crazy, that's how he deals with conflict in the house or whatever. It is almost certain that that's how I'm gonna deal with it mm -hmm. in my walk, unless I allow Christ mm -hmm. to refine me and change me. That's just gonna be, I think, my natural disposition coming out. Or, although I will say this, some people go the complete opposite um, of their parents or whatever. But anyway, continue, I'm sorry. I wanted to use a different example besides genetic. Okay, but then I'm not, there are certain traits, um, behaviors, that if we grew up in a household that had certain behaviors, that we would do the same thing because that's what we were taught, that's how you react. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure when you're a new creation in Christ, and I'm not saying that, you know, none of us should think that it's impossible to be deceived because that's... that's you're setting when, yourself up to be deceived. Yes, exactly, yeah. if right. you think that. But I'm not seeing this out of past things. Okay, so not let's following. talk about Reiki, yoga, the occult, all of those things. They're not genetic. A lot right. of Christians do them. No, but uh, that's you doing it. We're talking about generational passing this down. Well, Freemasonry is We're a talking generation. About, and great. So I think they're, so, so say I got, say, you know, my grandfather was a Mason. I don't know if he was or not. Some, somebody in our, our family was. If I didn't know that, and I became a Christian, and then, oh, some you know something started happening. Something bad happened in my life. I you know I, I don't pick something that you could say is is a demonic influence. Somebody can't come up to me and say, well, 
have you checked your family line to make sure that there's no masons in your line because that's a that's a demonic thing coming after you i think that once you're if you if if you know that there are things that you need to you know to turn away from personally then i think that's an issue if it's something in your family line that you know nothing about god's not going to let that come down and harm you spiritually i think that's a difference between a genetic predisposition and some sort of what well, this is talking about generational curses is talking about some spiritual thing that's coming down because your ancestors did something bad if you do something bad then you better get it out of your life but if your ancestors did something bad i don't think that as a christian you are going to fall underneath that that no i'm influence. not saying you're responsible for it but I'm saying that it can't affect you, though, because you're, because you, as okay. Aaron said, you've got the Holy okay, Spirit good. living That's, in you. Okay, cool. All right, so, verse 8 says, when he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of, see, that's not good, a long time. Um, you're just supposed to sojourn there. Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of the window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. King James says, sporting, sporting. with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what that means, but um, it means... <laughs> yeah. It means toying with to make a toy of, um, which sounds kind of bad. The idea is flirtatiously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says caressing. Oh. All right. Well, that's not your. That's not your sister. Okay. So Abimelech's looking out, and Isaac is um, acting with Rebecca, much like more like she's his wife than his sister, and so he comes out there and he says something, or he will, I should say, say what I find, huh? There's another word. I'm not sure if I can repeat it. Okay, then. <laughs> no. It's in the Bible. It's in, it's in the yeah. Um, yeah. Um, no. Okay. Use your imagination. You got that weird version. No, I don't. All right. Now, I do find it interesting that even a pagan Philistine king knows that this behavior is wrong. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. 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 Not. Right. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right. Shouldn't be acting that way unless it's with your spouse, and that's what he's doing, and so he yells at him. Uh, verse 9, So Abimelech called Isaac, and he said, Behold, she's your wife. How then could you say she's my sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I thought lest I die because of her. Again, that's a terrible thing. Nice. You know, the, 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 yeah, the husband Ooh, should. Boy. <laughs> that being said, I do appreciate Isaac's response here. You know, Isaac doesn't do one of these, uh, 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 you know, or, well, I had to do it. Or, yeah, remember her, his dad, she is my sister, different dad, or different mom, or that kind of thing. Um, but he, he admits, look, I was afraid. I made a mistake. Please don't kill me, you know, or whatever. Um, so he acknowledges that, and that's what confession is. It's acknowledging our sin and then moving there. Um, what was it that caused him to sin and lie in this way? It was his fear. All right, I was afraid you guys would kill me. Um, he reasoned, you know, look, she's a good-looking lady. Um, these people are unbelievers. Um, they'll probably kill me and take her away, and so we'll just let them take her away, and I won't die, and I'll be happy, you know, or whatever. Uh, but, you know, when we give into our fear, fear is normal. Giving into our fear is what we're commanded not to do in Scripture. And so uh, when we give into our fear, then we're walking by sight and instead of faith. Um, and so he says, lest I die uh, because of her. Um, verse 10, Abimelech said, well, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. Um, 
it's one thing when a brother in the Lord pulls you aside and says, "You doing all right, brother?" You know, I've been I just been noticing snapping at a lot of people. Yeah, you okay? And you know, in love or whatever, they've been there themselves. It's never fun to be rebuked by an unbeliever. Um, I've never been. I've heard. I've heard people have. Um, but you know, it's just like it just hurts because it. First, nobody wants to be corrected, but then it's another like usually there's something in there. Usually they end the sentence with, "I thought you were a Christian." Kind of, oh, shut up. You know what I mean? Like, so you don't, you don't want to hear that. Um, and then you, my defenses go up where you want to go back and say, well, look, I'm still going to heaven. You know, here you are correcting me. You know, you got a whole lot more or whatever. Um, so never a fun thing. But Isaac gets rebuked here by Abimelech. Um, I do appreciate, even though they are in this pagan culture, that you see a healthy respect for marriage and the marriage bed. You know, somebody might have lain with your wife, you fool. You know, like, and so that's kind of cool. Um, I wonder where did that respect come from? Because we know some things about these neighboring cultures and the things they did sexually and so on. Um, so where could this respect have come from? Maybe it was passed down from his father father uh, who dealt with Abraham. I think you're exactly right. And Romans 2. Yeah, maybe a little. <laughs> like the heavens declare kind of thing? No. What's Romans 2? When the Gentiles do what is right because of their conscience, then they uphold the law. And you uphold the law because it's been told to you. That's basically that makes a lot of sense. It, yeah, it was a good paraphrase. I was thinking Genesis 20, verse 18. This is where Abraham and um, uh, Sarah, maybe it's not 18, must be 28. Um, let me think that. Let's see. Oh, crumb. Oh, that's <laughs> chapter 21. Verse 18, chapter 20. Uh, it says this at the end of the chapter. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And so they had experienced the consequences of this sort of behavior um, earlier, or at least their grandparents did, or whatever it may be. And maybe that got passed down through story. And so they said, look, you don't do this sort of thing. You don't sleep with another man's wife. Um, we should get that message out there a little more in our day, too. Um, but nonetheless, that's what I think. I'll just throw it out there. There's a healthy respect. So who else was here as present at this uh, incident here? The one in chapter 20 or the one we're talking about right now? I don't do you know. Well, Isaac was there, obviously. Rebecca was there. Mm-hmm. The boys were also there. Maybe. Well, they were old enough to sell his, sell his birthright for a porridge, so they were... Right, but are, are they off on their own, like doing something else? It doesn't, or? It doesn't say until the end of this chapter that, that uh, Ishmael took a, took a... Esau. Esau took a wife. Uh-huh. Yeah, so maybe they were there too. They're getting the same. Uh, now Isaac wasn't there when Abraham did it, but now the two boys are there with this whole extra. Taking it in. Taking it in. Mm. Setting a bad example. Yes. Oh, that was a point I wanted to make about the passing things down to our generation. Just how important it is um, to set good, positive examples. You know, for those that are watching and observing, because there's a good chance they're going to do what we do. So, mm-hmm. be careful. All right, verse 11. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put 
uh, to death. How gracious of the Lord um, mm -hmm. to keep them from further sin. They lied, yes, but um, no one's going to touch the husband or wife. Um, now we could say, make I think the mistake of saying, well, God will keep me from sin. I can put myself into circumstances and this and that. God will keep me from sin. Has that been your experience? He may, but probably not. <laughs> the typical experience is you play with fire, you get burned. Okay. Um, Romans chapter 2, 4 says, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, not to take extra steps and think you'll be safe and you'll be okay? Um, so don't do that. Verse 12, Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Um, that's really kind of the Lord, isn't it? You would think the Lord would put him through a probationary period where you know you have to struggle and suffer for a little while and, and make up for your sin, but the Lord is gracious. Verse, uh, it continues, the Lord blessed him and the man became rich. Isaac became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Verse, right. going back now and looking at that, Isaac sowed in the land, uh, in that land. You know, so here he has this period of failure. What should he do? Get right back up on the horse. And I think sometimes we want to put ourselves in the penalty box <coughs> for a period of time. Um, and the Lord says, uh, you know, I think the example is, you know, you've been washed. You've been forgiven. You've been washed. You've been cleansed. Now get out and get back on the horse. Um, and so he goes and he sows. Uh, and the Lord blesses that, as you can see there. Now, Isaac was already probably um, doing pretty well for himself. His dad did pretty well. He inherited um, the greater portion and so on. Um, and yet, I like the fact that he's still working. You know, I don't think it does anybody any good to have a trustee account, so to speak, where you don't have to work a day in your life kind of thing. Um, then it's good for you. <laughs> um, How's it going, at least find something to do though with your life because um, otherwise it leads to trouble um, but the Lord bless him blesses him and again what a merciful God we serve if we confess our sins he's faithful and just he'll forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness now here's a question this verse makes it very clear that the wealth and all this that he acquires it says he became very wealthy was the Lord's blessing right says it very clearly. So here's my question. Is material wealth always a blessing? No. 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 Okay. We all, why, well then, how come? Most people would say, yes, it is. How come this room thinks differently? Depends on where your heart is with it. Love of Makes money. You trust in, in your wealth more than the Lord. Okay. I think blessing is complicated. Huh. Barb's family growing up, and they were very poor. Um, sometimes didn't have enough money to cover their bills, that kind of stuff. Um, it crazy, they would just pray and pray, and some guy pulls up to the side of the road like, hey, I saw these two rare bushes that you have in your front yard. I'll give you $50 for them or whatever. And, you know, the electric bill gets covered. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just think to myself, like, that's in itself is its own blessing. Mm -hmm. But we kind of look like, well, who would want to live like that? <laughs> you know, uh, Jeff Simpson and I had a conversation about um, uh, Jeremy Camp. 
Mm. Um, he said, I would love to, Jeff was commenting, I'd love to write like Jeremy Camp mm. uh, years ago. Yeah. And, 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 and right, and I, and I said, but mm. would you be willing to allow the Lord to work in your life like mm. he did in Jeremy Camp mm -hmm. to make that happen? Mm. You know, and and so it's, and to me, I, I, I always get cautious, like, mm. you know, when people even say like, um, oh, you know, God, God, God blessed you for allowing your your kid to survive X Y Z disaster or something along. So did that mean that he didn't bless the other family mm. that mm -hmm. whose kid didn't survive? Mm. So to me, to me, it's like really complicated. Yeah. Like in my mind, yeah, um, and okay. I struggle with it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I don't mean to throw all that off. But it's okay. It's no, that totally heart. makes sense because I've had. Um, I mean, the way that I got saved in 2004, it was a blessing that was a car accident that totaled my car. And it was three weeks after I asked the Lord to, like, like I'm not going forward, I'm not going backwards. You know how I am. Hit me with a ton of bricks. And I had this car accident, and everybody thought I was crazy because the next day I went, God loves me. I would have been killed. And they're like, uh, did you get an MRI? Like, yeah. You know, have you had your head checked? But so blessings do not always look good. pretty. Yeah. Mm. They okay. don't always come in pretty packages. But we talk about them that way, to be fair. Yeah. We do talk yeah, about we them do. they're good things. You know, getting a job or those mm. things that's mm. people just and, and sometimes they are. They are, yeah. Sometimes. Well that's <laughs> and then some of those hard mm. things that we in our perception we're like, Oh, this stinks and then we look back like, Oh, thank you for getting me through that and then you'll see fruit of it the lessons you learn yeah. right mm -hmm. yeah. part just you what you're saying so rings true with me because part of my fear of coming out of this season of difficulty if and i don't even know if i am going to but i'm afraid that will i will i maintain the clinging to the lord that i have had because of struggling if if life starts to get more level. Yeah. That's my biggest fear. That's my biggest fear. I think um, that's good. I, think I do. It's a healthy yeah. fear. Yeah. So uh, I think the thing is this uh, look, we don't all have to live in poverty right. or whatever and run around barefoot or something. Um, but if we do have the, and all of us do as Americans, but if we do have sort of the, the benefits of, of wealth or whatever that we call blessings so frequently, it's just a different challenge to be careful with, mm -hmm. you know, and to be on your guard with. Mm -hmm. Certainly stewardship, but you know that it just doesn't become your god or distracting. Your idolatry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I'll be honest. I go to Jeff and Linda's in Kenya, and I can't wait to get out of there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I like them, <laughs> but I'm like. Didn't there's you no say power. It was, like dirt. It was like dirty. Well, it was dirty and dusty. Yeah. There's Jim no said power. The shower here. thing was. Like he came home and went. It, it, it's like a like. Yeah. Don't touch the shower head because it'll electrocute you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when they when the tank on the top of the roof runs out of water, it doesn't work real well. But what I I guess what for me it's because I'm so accustomed to the creature comforts. Yeah. It's like this is terrible. Yeah, I know they're. Yeah, well, I just kept telling. I know. Stuff. You live in the when I'm there, I'm thinking, and these, but this is like a blessing because most of the people living here don't even have that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. All right. A blessing. He's just mushy. Yeah, I'm, that's my point. That's the point I'm making. I'm too yeah. comfortable. And um, okay. Anyway, uh, 
Notice in one of the verses it says, you know, they uh, Isaac sowed in that land. Remember, they were just supposed to stay there temporarily. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're not exactly where they're supposed to be, they, they are still seeing God's blessing according to the verse. Um, but notice what happens in verse 15. It, it begins happening. Verse 15 says, parenthetically, Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servant had servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. That's annoying. Okay, you know how much work it is, and why would they do that? Like you could have drank it too, you know. But the, all right, so that stinks. Verse sixteen. And Abimelech said to Isaac, "Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we." So Isaac departed from there, and he encamped in the valley of Gerar, so the city, now the valley, and he settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water's ours. So he called the name of that well Essek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called its name Sitna. And so what I what I don't know if I I'll do my best to tell you. They they're continually moving back further and further into Israel. They're moving away from Egypt, moving away from the border town and getting further and further. And what's causing them to keep moving further and further are the conflicts um, and the opposition that they're experiencing. And sometimes God uses difficulties in our life to kind of put us in a place that he would have for us, a place that we wouldn't choose ourselves. Already, and I, apparently a lot of you have experienced that. No clue that. what you're talking well, about. Persecution in Jerusalem, right? Yeah, the diaspora. People were getting complacent after Pentecost, and however many years it was, and then, and a great persecution arose. And what happened? Well, everybody scattered, because that was God's plan to get them, get them. And the gospel went all those places. And we also, I also, try to remember that He chastises those He loves. So sometimes I need a little kick in the pants. That's true too. Yeah. Now here's the challenge, though, for me. Sometimes the challenges of life are God moving me to another direction, um, and that's good. Sometimes the challenges of life are God saying, I'm going to teach you some things, some patience and things like that, and I want you to settle in here and deal with that. And the hard thing for me is to know which is which. And, Lord, do I move? Do I quit my job because my boss was mean to me today? He told me I had to come in late. Or early, I mean, <laughs> not late, <laughs> or whatever. Like, do I quit that job because, like, this is so hard? Or, you know, so that is, that's tricky, obviously. Um, but just because there's challenges, God can still work in them. You know, so I think sometimes we have this uh, Christianity, American Christianity, that's life's supposed to be rosy and perfect. And we have this false idea of what the Christian faith is. And when it isn't that, then we draw this conclusion that Christianity isn't real, or it, you oh, know, it, doing it right. yeah, or something. Um, and some people would tell you that you're not, you don't have the faith, you're not doing it right, whatever. And so that's unfortunate. But, so we see here, God's using these challenges, moving him. Um, verse sixteen: Get away from us, uh, for you're much mightier. Um, now, I, I did take notice that Abimelech saw that Isaac blew it, lied about his wife Rebecca. Mm-hmm. And yet he still sees God's hand of blessing on him here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he takes notice of it. So he's got to file that away and be like, that's a weird religion they got. You know what I mean? In our religion, we throw fire bolts down or whatever. Um, anyhow, verse 17, so Isaac departed uh, from there. I, I appreciate 
you know, Isaac's character. Um, he just picks up and he moves. He's avoiding the conflict, content to move on, trust the Lord. Um, he'll do it again a second time. I do wonder, is there ever a time where we stand our ground and where we say, no, 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 I dug this well, you know, kind of thing. Uh, we could talk about that when we get to it. But in this case here, you just see a bit of his character, and that's uh, content to just move on, trust the Lord. Um, so he digs another well. Could have griped about it. Could have complained and said, God, I can't believe you're not looking out for me, you know, protecting me. I would have forgotten all the other things that the Lord had done uh, for him. But rather than griping and complaining at life's injustices, he just digs another well, and he gets the water that he needs. And I appreciate that. I think that's wisdom there. Hey Greg, which is the well that the Samaritan woman meets Jesus at? Uh, I don't know the name of the well. I thought it, oh, okay. No. That was in Samaria, which is central yeah. Israel? Yeah. Were you going to say because she said our fathers? Yeah, she said because my father Abraham built. Or is that just like a generic term? Jacob. She said my father Jacob? Or Jacob, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know. My father Jacob. Yeah. Um, she was talking about worshiping yeah our fathers worshiped on this hill i don't think it's a, connected with the well, well. that was right. a well that's what you just said is not what i meant but thank you for coming <laughs> it was my mistake i was okay yeah. all right mm -hmm. all right so the first well essek it means contention um and that's why i named it that mm -hmm. the second well sitna it means opposition mm -hmm. um and so i brought up the issue of when do we stand up to injustice um What's the balance between turning the other cheek mm -hmm. and standing up for what's right? Mm -hmm. You have some thoughts on that you don't I want to bring up? <laughs> when you run out of synonyms. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all righty. <laughs> That's really good. That's a good life uh, practice. All right. mm -hmm. So what's the balance? What do you think the balance is? I think it has to do with personal versus... Um, corporate, national, uh, you know, so if I stand up for the rights of another mm -hmm. um, or if I'm trying to write an injustice that affects many, mm. you know, if it's, mm -hmm. you know, that lady always cuts me off every morning or whatever, well, deal with it, you know what I mean? Like, you can deal with being second in line. It's a case by case. Yeah. yeah. Jesus turned his cheek when people were torturing him and whatnot, but yet when he was in the temple and they were making because that was going to impact so many others also yeah. mm -hmm. Bonhoeffer um, mm. Bonhoeffer he had an extreme view of that uh, okay. listening to, to the cost of discipleship um, uh, he, he seemed to be that we should bear anything that the Lord brings um, can I interrupt? If anyone's not aware, Bonhoeffer was a preacher in Germany during Nazi Germany, um, had made his way out of the nation um, to safety. He was teaching in New York at the time, but felt the Lord compelled him to go back and be a voice of righteousness, and he was eventually uh, killed by the Nazis. But, uh, yeah, so he, he had, I, you almost got the impl implication to him, you know, if someone came into your house and was, you know, threatening your family, just be like mm -hmm. it is super what it is super passive however the lord works mm -hmm. you know the and and that are are because of our living here in christ 
we should be able to bear all things. Hmm. Uh, and to me, I I would not be that guy. Yeah, I got <laughs> you. Know you. Right? Sure. Um, but you know, I, I I think when I I get challenged by that, mm-hmm. I go, yeah, what does the Lord call us to do in that regard? Um, you know, certainly yeah. my my fleshly side goes, yeah. <laughs> you know, Corey yeah. Ten Boone, similarly in Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. she, their family uh, wouldn't lie. So if the secret police came in and said, are you hiding people here mm-hmm. or whatever? Like there was, I think she even tells this story. They had people hiding under a table, like a dining room table, just like get under the table. And it was a big cart, uh, this thing. And she's, and they said, yes, they're under the table. Well, they didn't believe them. <laughs> because they were so honest about it or whatever um, I don't know I'm just giving you an anecdote I'm not saying that's what I would do necessarily um, I worked for um, a company that printed banknotes a long time ago um, foreign currencies and all sorts of stuff American Express checks so there's a high, it was high security and in order to get the job I had to take a they tested me on, I don't know, I don't know what it was, but it was a couple pages long, and they almost didn't hire me because they didn't believe my answers. <laughs> and they're like, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't react that way. I'm like, no, yeah, I would. <laughs> and they, they said they almost didn't hire me because of that. It was too honest. I answered it honestly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so any other thoughts on how do you know when to turn the other cheek and stand up for injustice? And well, I, I think... You know, as was said before, yeah, it's definitely case by case, but the whole others-centered, I think we should stand up for others, the, those that are weaker, that can't stand for themselves. All right, so here's not, the not in a selfish, angry, vengeful <laughs> type thing. If the Lord directs you, you know, Protect I think, them. you know, if someone were to attack my daughter, mm-hmm. I'd take them out. Good period, and not not in not in a I'm going to kill you thing. It's I'm going to stop you from harming my daughter. Now, if that just means pushing you off and you run away, great. Or I got to do whatever more. But the motive being, I love my daughter. Not I'm going to get you. You're you're if it's you're pissing me off. Pardon my French. Um, If you're (laughs) you're angering me. If you're you know, if it becomes personal, then it's not of the Lord, and it, that's that's a flesh thing. But if it's a genuine, I am protecting someone who can't be protected. All right. So I have a question. What about the parent that tells their child, who's being bullied on the playground, mm. the next time Billy comes up to you, you just suck him in the nose. Done. <laughs> we used to have that fight all the time because I worked at Done my son's going. school, mm-hmm. and I was the playground <laughs> aide. Mm-hmm. And I was not going to tell the kids to get into a fight. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I'm going to tell CJ if that mm-hmm. kid keeps... <laughs> Just pop him in the nose? And that was a huge yeah. conflict okay, so between the two of us. I mean, the okay, I understand. And, I, and I, I'm sure lots of people could come and say, now that's what works. The kid gets popped in the nose and he respects Sally or Sam or whatever and never happens again. I understand all that. Then he becomes the grown-up who does I used to control it without fights. Yeah. What'd you, you I would step in and talk to the kids and say, what Yeah, but happen? you know what happens? What? I'll what? tell you what happens. You go in the other room, no, and they, Sam no. gets talked oh. to by Billy. No, it didn't. Oh, no, no. It didn't. Well, that's what I did. 
it's not. Yeah. It's done in the classroom. Until you're at the, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. I think it's a boy-girl thing, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe it is a boy-girl thing. I don't you know. know Here's a word that comes to my mind. It's advocacy. We, to, to stand up for folks that cannot stand up for themselves. And I think Whatever that's good. Whatever that definition happens to be in that moment. Yeah. Just to be an advocate. Okay. So chew on that a little, certainly. I, I think the best thing that we can take from that, the balance between turning of the cheek or whatever, is have you given it any thought? Or is it just, oh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You know, have you given it any thought whatsoever? All right, verse 22, and he moved from there and he dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. Yay. So he called its name Rehoboth, uh, saying, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful. Rehoboth means room or broad space, that kind of thing. Um, Delaware has one, right? Um, each time, though, again, Isaac is moving further and further into the heart of Israel. Um, I, I bring up the point again, I'll jot it again, uh, that he could have just given up and said, well, this stinks or whatever, and, and, but he doesn't. He just keeps on doing what he has to do. Uh, and in doing that, he doesn't move God, lose, miss God's blessing. Um, then it says, from there, he went to Beersheba. Rehoboth and Beersheba are just... They're, they're less than 10 miles apart from each other, probably even closer than that. So um, they're very close to one another. Um, Beersheba is the place that Abraham returned to after he, sac he went to sacrifice his son Isaac. One would assume Isaac went with him. It doesn't say that in the text, but nonetheless, that's Beersheba. Verse 24, And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. Um, here now Isaac's back where the Lord wanted him. And now he begins to speak with him again. First record since the beginning of the chapter of God speaking to him. Um, and so, you know, you look at all these challenges that they were going through, but they ultimately lead him right back to the place God wanted him to be. And so we roll with the punches that may come our way and allow God to work through all of them. He, uh, it says, I'll bless you and multiply your offspring. Again, the promise from the beginning of the chapter is reiterated. Now that he's back where he's supposed to be. Verse 25, so he built an altar there. He called on the pound in the name of the Lord, pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug another well. Um, but he builds. Isaac's father, Abraham, four different times it says that he built an altar. Um, this is the first time it says that Isaac built an altar. He may have built one before, but first time it's recorded. Um, whereas it seems like it was just a frequent practice of his dad um, each time he went somewhere. It's something interesting, too, that a lot of the older, well, I guess some of the newer ones do, but a lot of the older teachers, preachers, have picked up on this, and he dug again the wells of his father, of going back to the ancient ways, going back to mm. the old ways is a good thing to do every now and then, mm. and to, you know, unstop the well, so yeah. it start flowing again, and <clears throat> just, uh, I think, I, I, I tried to find the Spurgeon thing, he had like a morning by morning or something, about and he dug again the wells of his father. That was just really, you know, mm -hmm. as opposed to thinking you always got something new. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's good to go back and do something, do something old. It works The ancient way of the scripture. Yeah. Good. Good point. All right. Let's read this last section. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar, uh, with Ahuzath his advisor and Phicol the commander of his army, Isaac said to him, "Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and you've sent me on my way?" They said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. And so we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done nothing to you but good, and have sent you away in peace. You're now the blessed of the Lord. 
So he made them a feast. They ate and they drank in the morning. They rose early, exchanged oaths, and Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That same day Isaac's servants came, told him about the well that they had dug, and said to him, We found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is, uh, continues to be, you could say it that way, Beersheba until this day. Um, now here, this, you know, the, the king or whatever you want to call him, the commander of the army, a key advisor, or whatever, they come and Isaac goes out and he meets them and he says, why have you come? It seems to me that he's, I wrote down, look man, enough's enough, that he's standing up for himself here. I don't know, but maybe that's my male flesh um, working its way in. But anyhow, um, notice though, they observe, he said, we see plainly, verse 28, that the Lord has been with you. You know, and they're observing that. And I, I think that's just... People observe our lives, and they see. Um, you know, and they may give you a hard time in this or that, um, but they're looking at the life that you're building. I, my, my parent, my in-laws. I take it off the tape, but my in-laws uh, <laughs> thought that my wife and I were just nuts, crazy. You know, these because we were like 16, 17 when we got saved, oh. and you know, we're we're making decisions for the rest of our life based on God and all of this and and I think their thinking was God's fine but just like relax a little like you know what I mean you got to go off the you know mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff and so my sister-in-law she was very much you work hard you go to school you do this you do that mm-hmm. you know and you you get ahead and you got to step on who you got to step on and do all that and I think she was much more admired initially well then as kind of time went on and life went on um sort of the just a good, sound, solid decisions that we made as Christians, you know, in trying to honor the Lord. It built this foundation of a life. And so 10 years, 15 years, you know, we were at this place and people looked at that and they could see God's blessing these people. You know what I mean? And they may not have run to to get up to this place, but look at the Lord's blessing on these guys' lives or whatever. And so people observe that and they see it. And it takes time to see those things. Um, so just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing and let the Lord observe. I mean, uh, excuse me, let p- other people observe that. Um, I, another example, when I was in high school, we had a bunch of friends. They rented a beach house. Now, I love the beach. Um, high school kids renting beach houses, not the best idea <laughs> typically. Um, my thinking was, how great will it be? to be like a block from the beach and be able to walk up there and just spend the whole day at the beach. Mm -hmm. Their thinking was, how great will it be to have a party every single night? Mm -hmm. You know, this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, my wife, or my girlfriend at the time, she and I, they were were kind of, you weirdos, you know, you guys, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, And sort of little comments were being made and said, whatever. But then one particular evening, a girl got drunk. She uh, went nuts, punched her hand through a window or whatever, was all cut up, had to go to the hospital. And who do you think they came to find? The two that wouldn't be drunk. You know what I mean? Uh, And so people observe and they take notice and they'll come back. They'll find you. Um, So hopefully, you know, not everyone. Some people have hard hearts. Um, But second time in this chapter that they see the Lord's hand on them. First time they say, why don't you just get out of here? You stupid people or whatever. But this next time they come and say, hey, you know what? Um, We want to join with you. So that asks a question. Should Isaac be covenanting with these unbelievers? His father did. Okay. Can you find examples in the scripture where you shouldn't? Bye, guys. Thanks for coming. 
Okay. Can you find examples where you shouldn't be? Yes. Yeah. Okay, certainly so. Can you find examples where you can't? Yeah. yeah. I, yes. You just said Abraham, for instance. Yes. So there are times, uh, certainly, I, I looked up here, Romans 12 says, if possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's what they're doing. They're making a covenant of, of peace. Um, but notice the phrase, if possible, doesn't mean at all cost. You know what I mean? There are times that we can't. And I think that's an important point. Okay? All right, so we got a case by case. Same thing with the punch to the bully in the nose, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Verse 30, so he made that a feast. They ate, they drank, they exchanged oaths. And, and I just wrote down, praise the Lord. That's great. That's it. Praise so the Lord. Did. Yeah, just uh, how awesome. You know what I mean? Like, this is wonderful. Nobody had to go to war or whatever. Uh, nobody had to compromise themselves. Uh, verse 32, the same day Isaac's servants dug a hole. Sheba uh, is what, uh, not a hole, well, Sheba is what they called it. That word means oath. And so here's Isaac. He's like, hey, I did this big oath today, and now you come and you tell me you found a well. Let's call it oath. And they did. All right, verse 34, we didn't read this. Now when Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemoth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebecca. All righty. Um, so he takes multiple wives, and he takes uh, non-Jews. Uh, he takes foreign women to be his wives. The the uh, the foreign is not so much a problem. It's the foreign gods, uh, which is the problem. We do see, for instance, uh, Boaz or Ruth and Naomi. That whole story there in in the book of Ruth. You know, there's foreign women, but so that's not so much the problem as foreign gods. Um, but I do think it reveals a little bit of Esau's character. It looks like Esau's trying to stick it to his family. You know, oh, you don't like her? I'll take her, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 says, um, you know, that comes right off of the, the thing of faith, the hall of faith. And in Hebrews 12, it says, see to it, and then there's some words, but the the thought continues, so I'm just going to skip that for a second. It says, see to it that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. You know, So it seems like he was uh, enticed and drawn away um, by his flesh. And so he gets involved with these two different women. And as the passage says, it was grievous to Isaac. I didn't say that. I'm saying that to Isaac and Rebecca. All right. Good. So a little lesson for you: Do not marry two Hittite women. <laughs> you can jot that down. Tell your children. Tell them, you I just know. remember you saying anything with the, 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 the Hittite. Yeah. Our bad news. They they tend to be. Yeah. yeah. So I remember you saying that once. Usually, when they're all listed together, that's there's trouble. That's big trouble. Yeah. 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 Okie dokie, my friends. All right, let's end there. Uh, we have time, right? Yeah. All right. Lord, thank you for uh, this example. Lord, we almost forget, just by seeing your blessing on Isaac at the end of the story, Lord, the mistake that he made in the beginning of the story. And Lord, you're just really gracious to us and you're kind to us. Lord, uh, we don't want to presume on that kindness. Lord, our desire is... Uh, to step by step be in your will and to never go astray. But Lord, when we do, or if we do, Lord, we know that we can return to you and Lord, that you uh, you don't put a mark on us, 
you don't uh, demote us or things like that, but you just continue, Lord, uh, just to pour out your hand in our lives and uh, to move us according to your will to the place you would have us to be. And so, Lord, we delight in that. And uh, Lord, I just pray you would bless us with the reality of that truth tonight as we go. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.